welcome to Lessons She Learned, where we have conversations about different life lessons that we learn every single day. This entire arsenal of content is designed to help you really quick just find what you're looking for, digest it, help you process it so that you could do whatever other thing you need to get to. Sometimes we need to solve the problem in our mind before we could go ahead and solve the problem before us. And so I'm excited for this content uh, to kind of be a tool to help you go ahead and do that. Hello and welcome to today's episode where we will be breaking down what it looks like, what it feels like to be learning from failure. Um, I have a lot of reasons why I really wanted to kind of talk through this in this episode, but I think one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk through this is because I spent a lot of my time um, from my high school years to even my professional career, kind of struggling to categorize a failure or a loss. And I would look at something not going well, and I would start to think different things about myself. And I think that not knowing what kind of relationship with failure is healthy, what kind of failure with relationship with failure is productive, started to skew my self-esteem. It started to skew the way that I thought about myself. I was thinking in this way that was kind of just completely untrue. And so when I would say it out loud to a friend, when I would say it out loud to a therapist, it was almost like, we didn't believe we knew the same person. So the person I described who I categorized according to this failure and the person that sat before them, they didn't, it's not that they were just two different people. I was looking at this kind of polarized view of myself based on my failures. Whereas most of the time people can't identify your failures. They're just seeing you move and maneuver through life. And so it was almost like I had a relationship with this version of me that people actually didn't have that relationship with. Yeah, I might have had my ups and downs, some of them more obvious than others. But I think that that says a lot about one, the version of ourselves that we believe ourselves to be isn't always the version of ourselves that people see when they look at us. But when we project those ideas or when we project those thoughts, their mind is eventually going to start looking for ways to validate this untruth that you are committed to believing too. And so I was thinking about how learning how to think thoughtfully about criticism and critique and failure and negative data and frustration. I was just thinking about how knowing how to work through those really could help anybody in any phase of life be able to kind of successfully start maneuvering and not feel like everything has to be taken so personally. Um, And it also shouldn't be the thing telling you your life is always falling apart because there are other cues that tell you that. Uh, But either way, it's kind of like insight and information that you can truly, truly consider. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about this is because for a very long time, I thought that all feedback, all failure, all criticism was actually an attack. And so I would 
leave the conversation or leave that environment and wonder why I was being picked on, why they would single me out, why why I was the person being talked to about this when I know this person, that person, and a few more people are also having this problem or are also getting this result. And and now I'm wondering, well, did they talk to them? Did or all of these different things that start to get you excited in your mind. And so the first thing about even looking at failure or looking at feedback and not feeling attacked is just being able to look at it as communication and information. And I think one of the other reasons I really wanted to look at this information and kind of break it down is because one of the things that I noticed is that people are very willing, and I mean surprisingly willing, to start over. And so if a person starts failing or falling or getting feedback in this way that doesn't make them feel like they're being praised, they'll be like, I'm going to find the thing that I do well or the thing that I'm passionate about or, or something to that nature when starting over isn't the solution to every problem that you feel like you're facing with 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 failure or that you feel like you might be facing with um feedback or whatever the case is sometimes you actually need that feedback you need that insight in order to make any important or valuable progression forward and so i wanted to go ahead and get into it I wanted to go ahead and get into it. And I didn't want to, because I feel like I, like in the last couple of minutes, I feel like I've, I've kind of already sort of exhausted the whole like, what is critique? What is criticism? You know, it doesn't have to be negative. It's not always an attack. I think that that's pretty clear. I wanted to talk about what things you can learn from criticism, from failure, and from frustration. I think I think sometimes we like things are kind of as simple as they sound, as simple as they sound. But sometimes the the way we all put it, the way we have conversations about it overcomplicate some things. And I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this podcast is it's very easy to let simple things just be simple. <laughs> and so what can you learn from criticism and critiques? First, first section. The first thing that you can learn in that area is that I'm not doing something right. So what you, in that moment, if, some, if you realize that because you received this critique or some criticism about the way you're doing something or the way you're executing something, the first thing you can learn from it is whether or not you're doing something right. Now, when you think about whether or not you're doing something right or someone critiquing you and saying you're doing something right or you're doing something wrong or this isn't the fullness of what is right. The next thing that should come to your mind when you hear something like that is according to what? For everything that someone has um, a critique for or, a, or, or something like that or some feedback for in that way, there's usually a standard somewhere. You want to now figure out whose standard is it and what is the standard exactly. So this is why 
This is why learning from criticism or learning from critiques could improve and enhance you and isn't always the thing telling you to start from scratch or start somewhere else or do something totally or completely different. Because no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, at some point you're going to have to figure out or learn about what the standard is for success in that space, what the standard is for success in that industry. And you're going to have to figure out, okay, so what does it look like to move forward? What does it look like to really learn? What does it look like to go all in in that area? And I'll never forget, I was listening to my leak teals podcast and at the time when i was listening to her podcast um i also had a job that i felt like had been the most challenging job that i had ever had um but it was also one of the most one of the one of the jobs i felt like i was the most prepared for the gravity of those challenges and i remember feeling like oh my gosh like if i get another piece of feedback i'm literally i'm gonna fight like there's (laughs) like there's i mean I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to write it down. Please don't email. Matter of fact, don't email me. No more. Don't text me. No more. Like I'm fine on feedback. And I remember feeling that that frustration and listening to her podcast. And I remember her saying in one of the episodes, don't be mad at the person who holds you to the higher standard. Be mad at all the people who let you get away with not meeting that standard, who let you get away with living beneath the bar, who let you get away with not even being average, but being less than average or just being less than stellar, less than excellent. They are the people who have truly wronged you. The person who is asking you to meet the standard, the person who has the standard of success in their mind for you, They're thinking highly enough of you to expect that of you. And so to be frustrated with them is backwards. It's out of order. Every day moving forward, my posture towards critiquing criticism changed. And I actually did realize that those lax standards in those other environments did me no favors saved me also no effort because here I am showing up in the world wanting to be excellent, wanting to do things well, wanting to build a a, a strong professional reputation. And I don't have the habits or the character of someone who naturally fights to, to reach the bar because I have grown so accustomed to really just doing doing the basics or doing the minimum in that area. So if it's telling you or if someone is telling you you're not doing something right, then you want to figure out what the standard for right is in that in that arena and then go ahead and shoot towards success according to what that rubric is. The next thing and it's kind of similar, but it's it's also a little different. The next thing you can learn from critique or criticism is that I'm not doing something well. So you can know the standard. You can understand how the rubric works. But now you're no longer in this place of ignorance. You're in this place of refining. You're in the place of practice, if we're being honest. And I think the biggest thing that has the highest impact on whether or not we succeed when it when the clock is on, when it's game time, is based on the integrity of our effort when we practice. 
Because then when it's game time, you only do what you rehearsed. You don't do what you dreamed of. And so this is what happens when when people don't realize that their habits follow them from environment to environment, when they don't realize that their habits end up having this supreme impact on the way they do things, even when they intend to show up as their best. And so these are the, these are the little things that you feel like don't make a difference, but they make a significant difference um, in the way that we do life. And so, for example, if you're late to everything, there being a job interview tomorrow or there being um, a, a client meeting tomorrow doesn't change the nature of the way you think when you show up to things and you're always late. You're, you're going to want to be on time. You're going to intend to be on time, but somehow you're still going to figure out how to be three to five or seven minutes late to whatever it is. And you're going to think that because you felt like or you wanted to put that extra effort in, you're going to be like, man, it must be hard to get there earlier on time based on the fact that I did all of this work before to try to go ahead and push through what I habitually do. But it's just that our habits win every time. They are our our kind of like autopilot. So if it, at any point you end up on autopilot, you will always fall short of the standard for what it looks like to perform there. And so now it's not about, oh man, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to be. No, now it's about the habit and the character of doing something full out, not doing something well has, has doesn't necessarily have to do with whether or not you know what to do. It has everything to do with the integrity of each individual movement. So if you're looking at yourself, not do something well, just stop and take inventory of what's not being done full out. Something as simple, for example, as uh, writing an email. If you're not fantastic at writing emails, they're usually not clear. They're usually missing links. The links are usually broken. Just stop and think, what am I supposed to be communicating? What are the details of what needs to be communicated? And are they written out in clearly written English? Am I clearly communicating a timely thought? Now, it's not about, oh man, I just needed to get this over to them real quick. It's instead of the speed of the activity, it's the efficiency of the activity. It's the accuracy of the activity that you want to be paying more attention to. And and it, and it doesn't even need to necessarily be um, just that environment, but it's really just knowing and acknowledging, man, I'm, I'm cutting corners in this area and I'm getting spoken to because I wanted to save myself some energy. I wanted to save myself some time. And that's usually what ends up happening when someone is doing something that is less than well. When it doesn't meet the standard of what is actually good. That person is trying to save themselves energy and they are now having to expound even more doing what they had to do before and being forced out of the mindset or the perspective of doing things a shorter, faster, less efficient way than what is actually being requested. And I think something that's really interesting 
that I think is even worthy of talking about. I think that sometimes when we think about employers, um, we think about like, oh, someone dictating what the standard is or should be um, and, and holding you accountable to that in a work environment. And I think for some reason, people tend to assume that in, in any entrepreneurial space that that's not the case. The standards change, the standards are lax. What I will say is, even in entrepreneurial spaces, when you become lax in your standards, when you are compromising the integrity of whatever it is that you're working on in that way, you end up compromising the quality of customer that comes and that quality of customer that understands or empathizes with you cutting corners is going to pay you less. They're going to not do the fullness of their work because they also agree with you as far as what it looks like to do a little bit less, to save them a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, and a little bit of money. And it's going to end up giving you this experience that is less than optimal because you started to negotiate with what the fullness of the work looks like, with what the fullness of execution looks like. It doesn't just impact the person telling you what to do. It impacts the quality of life and the quality of the company around you because you're only going to feel inviting to people who believe and think the way you believe in that you think. And so I think it's a mistake to think that the standards all of a sudden become loosened or loose be as a result of leaving one environment to go into another environment or vehicle when the standards should consistently stay high. Um, and so those are, and I think I kind of casually led into like, um, the last point for what you can learn from criticism or critique is you can learn that you're not doing something optimally. And I think doing something well or doing something full out, um, is one thing doing something right. Oh, so let me take it from the top. Doing something right is like, am I reading the standard of what it means to do this, right? Doing something well is, am I doing this full out? Doing something optimally is not just saying, do I know the standard? It's not just saying, am I doing it full out? It's also saying, is this the most efficient way to do this? Is this, is this the most productive way to do this? Because you can do the long version of something full out. And it not be the best way to get things done if if it takes two times longer than it should. So it's it, it you get to this point where you start to kind of like graduate in the way that you do anything or or in the way that you do work or in the way that you do production. And I think that going from doing something well to doing something optimally allows you to spend less time on something and still be doing it full out. And still be doing it with structure and integrity and things of that nature. And I think that when we cut the corners and are failing to do things well, what we're picturing or what we're hoping is that this is now optimal because I'm faster. But you want to focus on your form. You want to focus on how you do it full out and start to improve it so that the process doesn't have to necessarily take as long to go ahead and get it from start to finish. And so those are my notes for how to learn from criticism and critique. 
So let's talk now about what it looks like to start learning from failure or from data. Normally, when a person is working through failure, there's not there's typically not like a person coming up to you and saying you failed and being able to say that blanketly. Typically, even when there's some academic aspect to it, the standard for failure is numeric. It's data. And so it's not necessarily some subjective idea of you being a failure. It's where you fell numerically on the standard of what it looks like to do things from like a a zero to 100 scale. And there are three lessons you can learn from the data that is failure. The first thing is there was something that I did not know. I think this is powerful because I used to get C's or fail something and I would feel so attacked and feel like I should not be in the room. I should not be at the table. I should not be a part of the conversations. All of these things when in reality, what the score was telling me is that there is something that I do not know. And so what do I do with that information? You find out from whatever it is, be it a test or an assignment or whatever, you find out what you do not know. When you fail something and you learn that information, you now have started to identify where the gaps are in your understanding. And instead of taking on this shame and this guilt and this pressure, appreciate the fact that the holes of your understanding have been highlighted. So you don't go in trying to learn everything. You start just learning the things that help you fill the holes of what you do not know. The second thing that you can go ahead and learn from the data inside of failure is that there was something I did not understand. I think no no subject taught me this better than like biology. <laughs> I, I took um, in high school. Um, did I take one in college? I don't think I did. I and um, actually I think I might have. Um, I took, I was taking like these biology courses and there were so many and I just felt like biology would never end. There was biology and then there was honors biology and then there was AP biology. And I was just like, honestly, you, y'all in these sales and, and the human body, like I'm, I'm good on it, honestly. But what I was so frustrated by was that I had taken the data of me not knowing something and I had went and I studied. But then I realized knowing all the language is not enough. Knowing what this is, what is the cell? What is the mitochondria? What kind of what kind of uh, cell multiplication processes that all these things? Knowing the definitions or simply being familiar with information does not mean you understand it. Understanding implies that you that you know how something functions in context. It also implies that you understand the gravity of the impacts of that function. 
So you can know a lot of stuff, but when you don't know how all of that stuff interacts with each other to to form some result or some consequence, you might be familiar, but you don't have understanding. And it is impossible to to pass those tests (laughs) when you are familiar and you can fill in some definitions, but you don't have any understanding. You can get away with some multiple choice questions, piecing together definitions or concepts, but not being able to put them in context means you can never answer a word problem. You can never write a paragraph on the matter. You can never, you know, write a short essay on the matter because you don't understand the the materials or the concepts in context, which lets you know, I now don't need to, I don't need to study terms I need to look into the relationship between those terms and possibly instead of looking at definitions, just get to two terms and look at how they relate to each other as far as this subject matter is concerned. Even when it comes to like inside of a professional atmosphere, let's say you were running ads and you were like, I know what copy is. I, I know what the media is. I understand that it's either it's either a photo or a video. I mean, what are my options? Those are my options. Um, I know I know what this is, I know what this if you could look through everything and say, I know what these things are, but when it comes to working together to form a coherent and productive campaign, I don't understand how this affects this. I don't understand where this piece of data is coming from. I don't understand the value of this piece of data, but I see it. And I know I, I know that I knew all the bits and pieces to enter, but I don't understand the data that's coming out at me. I can barely even gauge whether or not this campaign is successful other than whether or not it makes me any money, gets me any leads, or gets me any follows. That implies that you do not actually understand what that process is or how that process actually works. And so it's not enough to say, I'm so proficient, I'm so productive, I'm a professional or expert in X because I know what it is if you actually still lack significantly in understanding. And lastly, the last lesson that I'm going to say that you can easily learn from failure or the data of failure is whether or not there was something that you failed to consider or apply. So let's look at the three levels yet again. There's something I didn't know. Next level after that is something I didn't understand. The next level after that is something I didn't apply. It's easy to kind of forget. Oh, man, I forgot to do that part. Oh, man, I forgot to put that in development. Oh, man, I forgot to put that into play. You And because you understand its impact on, on the larger picture or within context, you know and understand that it should have been applied and even what was impacted as a result of it not being applied. But now you're like, okay, I have to now make sure that I don't miss it when it's time to execute because you can still fail when you fail to execute, even when you know all the materials and even when you have an understanding. When there's still action to happen and there's no action coming forth, 
you still don't get the results in the data that you need, which can still result in the the data saying this was unsuccessful or this was a failure. And lastly, the last way that you could like really be learning or really or this category, I should say, that really helps you see whether something is wrong and needs to be changed. And this is like a point where you could start to see any any frustration or any failure or something like that is in is, is literally in frustration. So we we've looked so far at criticism. We've looked so far at database failure. We sometimes fail to look at frustration like it's also insight. And there are three more things <laughs> that I want to go ahead and have us take away from this conversation about learning from failure. Frustration is a tool that can help you see whether you need to change your investment of time. Sometimes not putting enough time in leads to frustration because we have this standard for what the result should be. And so sometimes you're like, man, I, I really I really need to put more time into getting this done. I really need to put more time into getting a little bit organized or building in the structure. Sometimes the frustration is that something is taking too much time. Maybe something is taking two days to do when it should take two hours to do. And so the frustration is how much time is being invested. And you know that your frustration is letting you know that there needs to be a change in the investment of time, either up or down. The second lesson frustration can teach you as it pertains to failure is if there needs to be a change in the investment of effort. Effort is powerful and effort is important because on average, people withhold effort to protect themselves. And so more often than not, the conversation isn't you need to pull back, even though in some occasions or at some points it might be. More likely than not, though, the issue is you aren't actually extending enough effort or possibly you're extending effort into the wrong directions. So maybe instead of putting your F so much effort into this piece, maybe you want to put a little bit more effort into this area or into this point to go ahead and see the kind of results that you're looking towards seeing. And lastly, the last lesson that I'm going to be sharing about frustration teaching us a lesson frustration showing us and being its own data about how things might need to be changed or updated is in uh the investment of money sometimes we look at things and we're saying i'm frustrated because this is costing me too much this is an expensive problem to have this is an expensive problem to solve, or this isn't worth enough. This needs a larger investment in order to start repairing the damage or the discomfort that's being caused, um, that's creating all of this frustration within me. I think that the reason why I, I really did like to kind of like stop and think and process and think about all the ways that failure as we know it, or criticism or feedback gives us so much insight. But the reason I think that we don't always look at it like that is because 
we're so committed to winning that anything that makes us not feel like a winner feels like an attack. But the reality of it is there's constantly room for improvement and improvement doesn't just put you on a on a hamster wheel or put you in a rat race. It's refining the process. The more re- improved and refined you are in whatever it is you do, the more you're worth. People are always talking about know your worth and add tax. Sometimes people are so inefficient and unproductive that they aren't worth much. And so if you really want to go ahead and start building out your value in any environment, you're going to need to start looking at feedback more strategically, more thoughtfully, so that the way that we look at things and the way that we interact with things starts to start to be on this positive uptrend towards what we what we want to be doing and how we want to be seen, perceived, and also how we want to be respected and compensated. And if you're focused, feedback, uh, failure, frustration. They aren't a distraction. They're an opportunity. What we just talked through were so many different opportunities to look at the results we're getting and to start making some adjustments. If you figure out how to do that yourself, no one is ever pulling or fighting you to go ahead and improve. And to be completely honest, if you have to pull and fight someone to improve in your environment, that's a red flag that they don't belong in your environment. And so we want to be not not simply guiding ourselves because there's nothing wrong with someone guiding or supporting us in the ways that we grow and we develop. But we want to already be thinking about ways to improve and grow and be refined and not let someone else's uh, standard for us be always the first time you ever think about improving. I think one of the weird things about like personal development is that Sometimes if you aren't doing personal development right, nothing improves. You just feel good. I was having a conversation with someone um, this past weekend. We met up for coffee and we were talking about personal development. And I was like, yeah, but you don't want to you don't want to just go and just go get a bunch of random skills, soft skills in, in that way. You want to look at what you're doing. You want to look at the industry you're in. And you want to look at the the soft skills you don't have. You want to grow there. Because if if you're growing in your communication skills, but the work you do requires no real or consistent communication, you've now fostered something that's going to be frustrating because it's not as useful. You want to foster the skills in the areas that have the biggest impact or that have that have the biggest impact in a positive or a negative way. So what I mean by that is if the thing you're not amazing at is actually having a very serious negative effect on your work, then it's not that you want to only improve in the places where you are good, but you want to improve in the places where the impact is so substantial that a negative substantial impact would literally wipe out your ability to serve people or people's willingness to even be served by you 
That's what you want to be thinking about. Not just, man, what's a good skill to have? What's a good skill for you to have in your industry based on your position and based on where you're looking to be next or what you're looking to be doing next? Just growing, just to be saying you're developing isn't enough when you ought to be growing in the ways that help you push past or work past failure. And so these are just some of the things that, one, these are conversations that I have had to have with myself or with my own mentors as I am growing. But one of the things that I realized, especially as um, a lot of us are growing and a lot of us are kind of like leaping into some of some of the really exciting professional spaces that we've always wanted to be in, um, is just the fact that we have to raise the standard before we get there. Uh, millennials already have, and Gen Z tend to already have this weird reputation for not being willing to do the work, not being willing to develop the skill, and not being willing to play all out, but wanting top dollar. And so knowing that that's the reputation, when I come in and I'm excellent, you are not only pleasantly surprised, but my prices now make so much more sense. And so what we want to be doing is putting ourselves in a position where people are grateful to be served by us and we're showing up in the fullness of who we are and leveraging that in all of the rooms that we get to be in. Um, This was an exciting conversation. I hope uh, that it was good for you, that it, it gave you some insight Um, my voice is definitely doing something because fall is happening outside. Um, and I'm letting it rock because I love fall. And if this is what my voice got to do before it settles back down, I'm cool with that. Um, and so I hope that you have an amazing day. And I also hope that you start looking for opportunities for, to see the data And not look at it as a failure or a shortcoming, but look at it as an opportunity to get real insight as to how you might be able to grow, move forward and push forward. I'm so excited for you because a person who can even like listen to this conversation is already thinking about this for real. They're they're not afraid of this anymore. Um, And so I'm excited because this is definitely where I started to see the biggest shift in my professional life. When I finally learned how to turn failure into feedback and to learn how to use it in real time and to not take offense all the time um, from that experience. And so until next time, have an amazing day, week, um, and make sure you kill it this month. You just finished an episode of Lessons She Learned and How You Feel. Do you feel like you learned something new? Do you feel like, you know what, I think I might have what I need to do exactly what I need to do today? Awesome. Well, if you did, if you loved this episode, I want you to go ahead and hop into hop into that little area where we do our ratings. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I would love to go ahead and get that rating just so more people who are interested in content like this can honestly just go ahead and find it find out that they're in the right place, find out that they're around the right people. And so that's the point of that. But also your favorite point, your favorite uh, thing that was said, I would love for you to go ahead and screenshot that, note that, tag me. I will be shared you. I'm so grateful 
anytime anyone is saying, hey, this information helps me, this content really helped me work through this, and I want to know. I want to know how it impacted you. And so go ahead, tag me on Instagram at Zania E. Blue. Uh, the spelling is in the show notes because, you know, you know how that goes when people spell it any way they want to, but <laughs> I'll see you next time. And I'm excited to share even more about what I have learned.